Dr. Richard Siegel trained in internal medicine, and he did his endocrine fellowship over three years at Tufts Medical Center and subsequently joined the faculty in 1997. At Tufts Medical Center, he is currently the co-director of the Diabetes and Lipid Center and is the consulting endocrinologist and bariatrician at the Weight and Wellness Center. In this episode, endocrinologist Dr. Richard Siegel explains the dangers of unmanaged diabetes and what steps you can take to effectively manage your diabetes. He discusses how diabetes management differs between inpatients and outpatients and equips you with some key things to know before you are admitted to the hospital. Dr. Siegel also shares how COVID-19 has improved medical innovation and access to diabetes care. Podcasting from Dallas, Texas, I am Shireen, and this is the Yumlish Podcast. Yumlish is working to empower you to take charge of your health through diet and exercise and reduce the risk of chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes and heart disease. We hope to share a unique perspective and a culturally relevant approach to managing these chronic conditions with you each week. Welcome, Dr. Siegel. Thanks so much for having me. A pleasure having you on. Diving right in, Dr. Siegel, how did you become passionate about clinical nutrition and diabetes management um, as an endocrinologist? So I, I think this started in, in medical school, and really the, uh, a lot of this is about uh, mentorship. And I think it's always important to have good, good mentors. Uh, I recall during the, the fourth year of my medical school in, in Albany, New York, uh, the, the chief of the endocrine division there was Dr. A. David Goodman, who has uh, since, since passed away, but he mm. really was passionate about uh, diabetes. He also, I think, had trained in uh, nephrology. There's a lot of uh, cross between endocrinology and nephrology, which is, which is kidney disease. Uh, and I recall on on rounds we would be going around, and uh, he would be calculating out exactly what the change in the blood sugar might be based on how much uh, fluid a per particular person might might get if they if they came in with with, with high sugars. And so, really, he he was a he was a thinking man. And endocrinology is a very cognitive uh, specialty. I also had an excellent mentor when I was in my internal medicine residency uh, as, as well. Uh, you know, and this doctor, Dr. Dr. Stuart Chipkin, is still, still practicing. Uh, in addition to uh, doing diabetes and endocrinology, he uh, teaches in the area of kinesiology, which is related to exercise. So uh, really sort of, I think, you know, those couple of mentors stick out in, in, in my mind, um, bringing me to interest in uh, endocrinology, you know, nutrition, uh, exercise counseling, which I, I also tend, tend, tend to do as well. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about the diabetes side a little bit and help us really understand what is unmanaged diabetes and why is it so bad? So um, unmanaged diabetes really uh, can wreak havoc on the body. Uh, it's what I might call a, a catabolic state. Um, uh, catabolism is where the body breaks down, and, and you know this can happen 
in most cases, when, when blood sugars uh, when are over 180 to 200 milligrams per deciliter, to remind you, a normal blood sugar is generally be between 70 to 140 milligrams per deciliter. But when the, the blood sugar gets uh, above 180 to 200 and stays there over days, weeks, sometimes even months, um, this is what can bring on, for many people, the, the symptoms of decompensated diabetes, which can include polyuria, so that's frequent urination, and polydipsia, that's frequent thirst, um, even polyphagia, as people are losing calories and sugar in their, their urine, they are uh, they're eat, tending to eat more. Um, because they're losing sugar in the urine, they're often losing weight. And with all this, uh, they're feeling fatigue. You know, the, really the most common symptom uh, of anyone coming into an outpatient clinic is feeling tired. And this is definitely one reason why people can uh, feel tired. When blood sugars are in this range, uh, the immune system does not work uh, as well. So people certainly could be prone towards uh, infections um, per se. So uh, with, with uncontrolled, unmanaged diabetes, there's slow damage over time that can occur. And this really puts risk to the, the entire body as blood sugars really you know, traveling to all the, the organs. And this is where we we think about the for the long term the microvascular and macrovascular complications that's small blood vessels and large blood vessels we can uh, also think about diabetes distress uh, which is a, a term that's uh, that goes along with uh, mental health uh, and really the, the the vicious cycle that that can occur between um, depression and other uh, you know, behavioral disorders and and uh, and diabetes and uh, as I said you know, earlier with infection uh, really uh, immune dysfunction the cells that normally are fighting off uh, infection are just not working uh, as as well. Mm -hmm. And and what I find interesting here is that it's not something that you feel right away. Right. This is something that's slowly creeping up, showing itself in symptoms like fatigue. Um, and it's not it's not something that happens overnight. And yet there's all this stuff happening um, and there's very little in terms of symptoms that you can really pick up on there to understand exactly what is going on. That, that's right. Really. I mean, for when it comes on very suddenly, people may notice the symptoms, but when it's more subtle over weeks or months, sometimes uh, only in, in retrospect, when I ask, have you been you know, very thirsty? Have you been losing weight? Have you been uh, drinking a, a, lot, a lot of fluids? Well, will people realize that? So um, I have many patients who may come in and their blood sugars have been 200, 300 for, for weeks or months. They, you know, they, they, to some extent, they're really used to it, uh, and um, they're they're often very, very tired. But they've 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 compensated. Um, mm -hmm. It's the people who are decompensated, especially when it's happening more acutely, which may happen in the setting of another event, such as an, an infection. Um, those are the people that we may end up uh, seeing in the hospital in terms of diabetes uh, consultation, um, mm -hmm. whether they're coming in specifically for diabetes or for, for another reason. 
And so for, for such folks, um, should they, what are the different things that they should do essentially to make sure that they don't have unmanaged diabetes? So thinking about uh, this really involves team approach. For one, really, I think the basis for all of this is, is education. And as uh, patients are coming into my outpatient clinic uh, at Tufts Medical Center for, for the first time, I emphasize uh, that really we want to teach you about what diabetes is. And uh, I do emphasize our, our team approach. Um, and really, I, you know, I guess sort of thinking about our, our, our outpatient clinic, patients may come to us on their own, so there could be self-referrals, uh, or it could be provider-initiated through a primary care clinic, um, or or otherwise. Sometimes it's through, through through a specialist. And you know what we're talking about really at that first visit is a little bit of you know about their or what they what they know about diabetes and emphasizing the education programs that we have. Um, sometimes that's one-on-one, -on -one, and sometimes those are in groups, um, uh, self-management uh, education programs uh, with, a, uh, with a diabetes educator. And so how does diabetes management care and, and uh, look and feel differently inpatient versus outpatient? So with uh, thinking about uh, inpatient, once again, we're part of a, uh, a, a team that's helping to, to manage, manage the patients. Um, you know, some of the patients are, again, coming in through the, the emergency room for uh, an, another reason. Uh, and we are consulted because their blood sugars are, are elevated when they, when they come in. So uh, inpatient, really, we have a more specific focus and very often that's really just related to uh, avoiding extremes of blood sugars. So uh, we'll generally say if you're admitted to the hospital, uh, if you're in the intensive care unit, you know, we're actually looking to get blood sugars uh, a little bit lower than, than we might be if you're, if you're on the regular, uh, regular hospital floor. So that range in the intensive care unit at our hospital is usually uh, 100 to 150 milligrams per deciliter, whereas on the regular hospital floor, that may be uh, upwards of about 180 milligrams per deciliter. But still, we want to avoid both hypoglycemia and severe hyperglycemia, um, uh, as both of those mm -hmm. uh, can cause uh, uh, problems when, when people are, are in the hospital. The management for patients in the hospital may differ depending on what type of diabetes you know, they, they have. Um, for a patient with type 1 diabetes, where they're uh, exclusively on, on insulin, uh, that insulin may need to be uh, adjusted when they come in the hospital. Um, very often, the, the doses that are used as an outpatient uh, are going to be very different than what's going to be used in the hospital because people are eating very differently, or perhaps they, they may not be eating uh, at, at all. So um, for pe people who are on insulin, uh, we are often uh, readjusting those, those doses. When people come into the hospital, they should prepare for the idea that their, their blood sugar is going to be checked by, by glucometer. 
And depending on what the situation is, if they're not eating, that blood sugar may be checked every six hours. Um, if they are eating, it may get checked uh, before the meal times uh, and at bedtime. Now, some patients wear a continuous glucose monitor, such as Freestyle Libre or Dexcom, uh, and generally that can be continued while it's in the hospital. And that is information that may be very helpful for both um, patient as well as, as, as the care team, uh, and that can be supplemental uh, to what's, what's checked in terms of the uh, glucometer. Really, we're using this information about the, the blood sugar patterns to help uh, decide on the orders. And the orders may need to be adjusted day to day because things can change very, very quickly in the hospital. Um, I do recommend that you know, patients uh, engage their care team. Really, you should have a, a good sense of what's going on, you know, how often your, your, your sugars are going to get monitored, why they're getting monitored, what the blood sugar goals are, and if changes are being made, why they're being made. Sometimes when, when people are, are in the hospital uh, and uh, they may only be getting insulin if their blood sugar is high, and that can lead to blood sugar staying high if they're, uh, if they're, if they're eating. So uh, really, when I, when I speak of the team, um, our patients are an essential part of that uh, team management. Can you walk us through what special considerations individuals with diabetes might need to take if they're admitted to the hospital? So when patients are, are coming into the hospital, they need to be, uh, really have a full sense of their, their medication list as uh, we are asking what oral medications they're on. We're asking what insulins they're on. Uh, it's important that the care team really uh, have a, a sense of any dietary considerations um, as you know, specific diets will be written when they're in the hospital. And uh, if there are certainly are any food allergies that, that, that are involved, the care team needs to, needs to be aware of that. How has COVID-19 in particular impacted those with diabetes and then just even overall medical innovation um, and new access methods for diabetes care? So with the, the COVID pandemic, we went at Tufts Medical Center exclusively to televisits for, for, for three months. So the first three months uh, I was at home uh, and doing televisits for all my patients. And we were really just you know, starting to discover uh, some of the barriers and really finding our way. Now we've really learned how to use telemedicine uh, in, a, in, a, in a better way. Uh, and currently I'm doing one afternoon session of televisits uh, per week. Um, very powerful thing for patients with diabetes uh, through the pandemic and with telemedicine is the use of really the cloud-based technology and software. So this has allowed us to uh, get a sense of what patients' blood sugars are, as well as how they may be taking particular medications. Different uh, software programs and apps include um, Gluco which can allow patients either in our office or from home uh, upload to the cloud, different glucometers, continuous glucose monitors, 
uh, and two of the, the three major pumps. And then there are other uh, websites uh, that are cloud-based, including Tidepool, um, Dexcom Clarity, LibreView for the, the Freestyle Libre, uh, and CareLink for the, for the Medtronic products. Patients were using selectively the patient portal to send us inf information. And portals certainly may vary uh, as to whether they can accept documents or not. So some patients were also using uh, my regular email to, to get me information as well. Um, we definitely, with the use of televisits, uh, increased our use of education uh, as well as uh, between our clinical pharmacist and our nurse practitioners and diabetes educators, uh, we were using televisits for, for teaching on pens and uh, injection technique. Uh, and I know that some of the companies were doing uh, even pump starts uh, using, using televisits. And so even now as the, uh, the pandemic uh, lessens, uh, we continue to use these, uh, these resources. And I think uh, it will continue to be, be helpful. You know, I think you know, the, the, the cloud-based technology is really extremely uh, useful, uh, especially for analyzing blood sugar patterns uh, between visits and, and making, making mm -hmm. recommendations. Just from your observation, Dr. Siegel, how have you seen COVID-19 impact those with, with diabetes? So we realized uh, as patients were getting admitted to the hospital with COVID-19 that uh, it is a very powerful infection for, for some more than others. So for patients with fairly well-controlled diabetes, they were coming in uh, and if they, especially if they're getting admitted to the ICU, even if they were not on insulin, they were going on insulin and their insulin needs were very, very high. So uh, patients were becoming very insulin resistant uh, related to, to, the, to the infection, requiring uh, insulin drips. Um, and it's thought that you know, related to the virus, uh, that some of the so-called cytokines, uh, chemicals that are uh, brought out by the immune cells related you know, to the virus, uh, were affecting the liver and fat tissue and, and, and the pancreas, uh, affecting both how the body makes insulin uh, and how it responds to, to insulin. For others, there, there certainly has been suspicion whether the, the COVID-19 virus actually can get into those beta cells uh, of the pancreas that make insulin uh, to actually bring on diabetes. Um, so you know, patients who were not known to have diabetes you know, prior to coming into the hospital uh, you know, may have developed new onset uh, diabetes. And it's possible that some of these patients might have had slightly high blood sugars you know, prior to this, uh, and the stress of the, the situation uh, ended up bringing the, uh, this out. Um, as the, the virus gets better, you know, insulin requirements you know, come down, and um, uh, occasionally you know, patients who are on insulin uh, as we, we tell patients in the hospital, even if you're on insulin, it doesn't always mean that you'll always be on insulin. So uh, thinking about inpatient uh, diabetes, it can really, again, be a very changeable sort of situation as patients transition back out 
to, to the clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those patients on insulin uh, with COVID-19 may go back to oral medication or potentially back to just uh, lifestyle management alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These folks will sometimes resist getting on insulin just for that sheer reason, but there is a path back from the Sure. Yeah. Uh, and really, you know, that, you know, this is where, again, the, the education comes in, whether it's uh, in the hospital or, or outside of, of the hospital, teaching people really that you know, insulin may be, may be needed during times of, of stress because of, of the various stress hormones uh, that the body tends to make. All right. So with that, Dr. Siegel, we're toward the end of the episode. At this point, I'd love for our listeners to learn more about how they can connect with you and learn more about your work. So uh, listeners can connect uh, with me through the various social media sites at Tufts Medical Center, including Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find me on the Division of Endocrinology website through through Tufts Medical Center dot dot org and uh, certainly I'm I'm taking new patients uh, again I as was mentioned earlier I, I see patients both in the diabetes lipid clinic as well as in the uh, the weight and wellness center where we we work with patients who, who need it for uh, helping to get weight down and uh, certainly uh, weight management and diabetes uh, may, may frequently go mm-hmm. go together so happy to to respond if there are inquiries uh, through through the hospital. Thank you so much for your time. And to our listeners, if you want to head over to our social media, our question of the week for you is to understand how has COVID-19 impacted either yours or a loved one's diabetes? Head over to our social media on Facebook and on Instagram to answer that question. With that, Dr. Siegel, thank you so very much for your time today with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Yumlish podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media at Yumlish underscore on Instagram and Twitter and at Yumlish on Facebook and LinkedIn for tips about managing your diabetes or other chronic conditions. You can also visit our website, yumlish.com for even more information and to get involved with all of the exciting opportunities Yumlish has to offer. All of the links are in the show notes below, so please don't hesitate to check us out. If you like this week's show, make sure to subscribe to the Yumlish podcast, give us a like, comment, or a five-star review, and share us with a friend. This is Shireen signing off. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time. Remember, your health always comes first. Stay well. Stay well.